This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Wednesday the 24th of May 2023. Coming up today, we're going to spend the hour with our good friend Kayaker to talk all things Apple and also orientation and mobility. You're listening to Double Time, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, hello, Sean Priest. How are you? I am gorgeous. Thank you, Stephen Scott. How are you? Oh, well, you know me. I'm never one to complain. <laughs> yeah, okay. And if you believe that, you believe anything. Uh, in fact, I've got some magic beans for sale if anyone wants to buy them. I have uh, them right here. Coffee beans. Uh, yeah, coffee beans. I know, of actually, course. I think I'm going to have to give up on the coffee or at least reduce my intake. Although in saying that, I did just buy a new coffee machine. I know. How many coffee machines have you got there now? I go through them. I really do. And this one is by a company called Lore. L apostrophe. I think oh, it's an apostrophe. That's O-R. French. Yeah. yeah. Lore. You'd like to drink a coffee? I can only apologise. I am so sorry. It's the coffee speaking. Don't listen to him. (laughs) It's the coffee talk. Stop that right now, Stephen Scott. You'll be on the phone in a minute. F standing for French, just in of case you were in doubt. Yes. There, yes. Uh, anyway, welcome to the show. Today we are uh, going to kick back with an old friend, uh, oh. old being the operative word. Uh, he's known, <laughs> he's in mysterious circumstances and uh, other yes. things. He's known as uh, Kayaker. Simply the Kayaker. Simply the Kayaker. He is a man who is mysterious. We have actually met Kayaker, like in person. I've touched the Kayaker. Oof. Okay, it was all right. He he was he said it would be fine, uh, and uh, he's with us now. Also known as Scott, but I think we're supposed to call you a kayaker. So there you go. I've given away your identity. I'm not oh, very good at holding Scott. back you identities. Can, call me Scott. can I call you Scott? Okay, absolutely. Because well, we're just friends might get confusing now. with uh, Scott and Scott and yeah, there's too Scott, many Scott, Scott, yeah, Scott and Scott. Whatever's whatever's fine with kayaker you. is then. How are you doing, kayaker? I'm doing well. It's been a while. It's been a while. So, and you're, uh, um, you've been to old Scotland here. We, I have. We met up, when was it, last year? September, last September. Was it September met, last year? It was. Wow. And uh, had a horrible dinner, but uh, the company was great. <laughs> the dinner was shockingly poor, wasn't it? Um, it, was, it was bad. It was really it bad. It was this the worst the thing nice... I've ever eaten. And <laughs> it was incredibly expensive. It was. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was just really nice. I mean, the thing is, the restaurant, and we won't not name it, but let's just say if you're near uh, central Glasgow and you're sort of near the, <laughs> the train station, which is called Glasgow Central, uh, and there's a hotel there near yes. central Glasgow, uh, then you're in that vicinity, right? Are we okay yep. with that? I'm just asking the Are we okay with that, lawyers? Mr. F. Ah, that's right. All Thumbs fine. up. Yeah, we're all good. fine. Um, but honestly, it, the, the, by the way, I should also just for, for legal reasons mention the hotel has got nothing to do. Oh, sorry, the restaurant has got nothing to do with the hotel. Now um, you're panicking. Yeah, exactly. I'm just clarifying that because I live in this city and I, I kind of like visiting it every so often. Uh, but no, it was the, the meal was just dreadful, and it was. It, I will say though, the champagne bar was stunning. I don't oh, drink. It was nice. So it's no use I to know. me. Pointless. Very but, good. Uh, yeah, the food was terrible. Uh, but no, you're right. The company was wonderful. We got a chance to meet you, and uh, it's nice because you know we do all the, we do these shows and we talk on. We, that's where we met Scott. We met on Zello, uh, as Wait, I met Sean, and yeah. um, you know, and we all know how that ended up. So you know, it's it's been good. We've marriage. Virtually. I mean, yeah, virtual yeah. marriage, it's obviously. Showbiz way, yes. Um, but no, so uh, we want to get you on because uh, you've been away getting a new... Now, hang on. Have you got a guide dog? No, no, I did not get a di- guide dog. Um, a guide dog? I, I, that, I did not a, get a guide you dog. You don't want a I'm guide not, dog. I don't, I don't want a dog. But, <laughs> a blonde dog um, I was that's no off longer getting, blonde. <laughs> I was off getting O&M training, customized O&M training. Orientation at, and mobility. Yep. I say that a, only because someone emailed in the other day getting oh, what, really annoyed because I keep seeing O&M and they didn't know what I was talking about. Well, it's funny. When I, when I think of O&M, I think of object models, so i got to switch from CS yeah, to... Yeah, you're the only person that thinks that. <laughs> okay. He's a developer, uh, listener, yeah. so that's why. Yes. Uh, but um, it's, it's, it was at a guide dog school, leader dog, and they do offer uh, O&M training with the white cane in addition to... You know the well. That was the confusion, wasn't it? Because we were kind of thinking, "Oh, he's getting a new dog because he's at a place that does dogs." And um, right, 
you didn't get a dog. You came home with a white cane, which seems to me like a well, massive fail in my hang view. On, hang on, go, go, Before we get there, can I just say, I was really surprised when you said you were going for O&M training, yes. right? Because you have... You've got no qualms in travelling the world. I mean, you flew over here, right? You yes. went to London. He didn't, and he didn't fly the plane himself. No, 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 no. I'm not saying, oh, you're an inspiration. But what I am saying is, I, I don't think I would have the, uh, the nerve or the confidence to do it on my own, right? And yet, you feel like you need more O&M training. I did, because there are people out there and. In in way, my trip to Glasgow reinforced this. There are other people who can do it so much better than I can. And um, I, I just – everyone can learn more and get more training and improve their skills and improve their confidence. And, you know, I want to be up there with some of the people that can, you know, ha- can just plow through the world and, and get through situations that I'm not comfortable with. I, I wanted to get out of my comfort zone. I wanted to push myself. And that's one of the things that I found about the program at Leader Dog was that um, they met me at my level and, you know, challenged me in the areas that I need to be challenged. So it was very personalized. And I came out of it feeling that um, I am much more competent in traveling the world now. So uh, when I go back to Glasgow this fall, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be able to navigate the streets and I won't be as scared as I was the last time. So, right, but what, what was the challenge for you then? Because like Sean says, I mean, I, I don't know you probably as well as you two know each other, yeah. but, you know, in terms of getting out and about, you, yeah, you did seem like someone who would just go for it. And, and did you, were you just winging it and, and you wanted this training to kind of solidify what you thought? A bit like, I suppose it'd be a bit like driving a car without actually being taught to drive a car. Maybe. Um I think it's. I think the experience is. I'm very comfortable in my home environment, places that I know. When you yeah. have RP and lose your vision over time, I, I almost think I could walk the routes here without a cane and my eyes closed. I have so much uh, muscle memory for those situations. Mm. I don't know if Sean feels the same way. No, absolutely. But, uh, yeah. You don't feel blind at home, right? Right. It's, it's where I find it challenging in the most. Um, anxiety-driven moments or or when I'm in an unfamiliar city and I'm trying to go through unfamiliar streets. Uh, That confidence was lacking in me and I wanted to improve that situation. So that's why I chose to go out to um, Leader Dog out in Michigan and sort of be in a completely new environment and get trained in situations I've never been exposed for to improve my confidence and, you know, to reinforce I have the skills to navigate those types of situations. So that's what I was looking for. And then that's what I got. Yeah, makes total sense. I can totally uh, empathize with that. It's funny, when I met you in the hotel for the first time, when we went looking for a bar, (laughs) you know, and... and, I think I'm sort of unembarrassable. Is that a word? Yes, yeah. it is. Yes, it unembarrassable. is. Unembarrassable. Um, because I, <laughs> I, will just, I will just barge my way in so I could hear noise and I just barge to sort of in there. And I'm always expecting someone to say, do you need a hand or anything? Whereas yeah. if I had the proper O&M training, I could do that properly. <laughs> properly. Well, you know, I think there's some situations where you can never be trained. I, I think the indoor stuff, walking into an unfamiliar bar or restaurant, yeah. I almost think there's no way to, to solve that problem no, other agree. than barging in. Um, but but it, takes, it takes a little courage. It takes a little, uh, you know, ability to have that unembarrassable moment, as Sean says, yes. to just sort of go ahead and do it. A guy said to me once, a friend of mine, he said, you know, you cannot be a shrinking violet when you're blind. Yeah. I think that's true. I think that's it. I think yeah. it's not even so much that you have to be, you're unembarrassable. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, so enough of that now. I like it though. <laughs> but I think, I think there's something in that though, that you do have to be prepared to almost embarrass yourself because there's really no way around it. You know, if you walk into a room and there's a table and you don't notice it. I mean, first off, you'll either hear a, a chorus of, whoa, watch where you're, you know, yes, you get yes. that, which is even worse, right? Because when people do that, you immediately think, I'm either about to fall down a hole or I'm going to knock something over of value and, you know, this is all going to go to hell. And you just think, oh, God. Um, it's like playing musical statues. I Immediately, someone, I hear anything like that. I just stop still, like I'm frozen. Yeah, exactly. It's terrifying. But you're right. There's... That's the thing, Scott. You can be prepared to an extent, but I think the O&M training, for me anyway, and, and bear in mind, my O&M training was when I was seven. So, yeah. you know, 
it's it's certainly stuck, which is good. And I got certainly a bit more when I was fourteen, fifteen, when I was in secondary school. But you know, it wasn't a lot really, and certainly not as an adult. And it's interesting you you going there to get that training because I often think maybe it's, it's maybe it's like the driving analogy. You know, sometimes you maybe just need a little bit of a top up on your on your training because we all fall behind. My wife is an OM instructor. And she is forever telling me all the things I'm doing wrong with my game. She's like, no, 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 you got that wrong. You're just not using it properly. Oh, backseat driver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, and my best thing, I always ask her, I will say, well, what do you think I should do? She says, like, I'm off today. I'm not telling you. I'm like, oh, all right. So it's okay. So this is just this is a day off thing. Okay, you don't care. Um, but it is interesting. Well, we'll come back to that because you actually did get some audio for us. You're very, uh, very uh, considerate of our little show here. Because well, you I, even did an interview for us. I know how desperate you are for free content, so anything mm. I can do to help you out will uh, will go a long way. It's not even a joke. Thank you. Uh, yeah. the, the word free <laughs> is the, the key word in there. That is absolutely right. Uh, uh, so who, who are we going to hear from later? Because we're going to play that in the second half. Who, who are we going to uh, hear from? You'll be hearing from my O&M instructor, Barry, who I spent the uh, Monday through Friday out there. Okay. Uh, and he's a certified uh, orientation and mobility instructor. Interesting. Here in the United okay. States. No echolocation in there? Uh, no echolocation other than just sort of um, being aware of certain opening ups. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, during the course of the week, he'd say like, okay, well, he, he always said that I had good spidey senses. Like he could tell, mm. you know, he, he he said, you don't realize that you're doing it, but you could tell that the space opened up. You could tell that, you know, things were collapsing. You sensed something that was nearby. And um, I'm not really sure how I did that. I think that's just sort of... You know, that RP learning stuff over time without, yeah, you know, just being in the frying pan and having the heat turn up slowly over time. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know how I learned these skills, but he reminded me that I have them um, and sort of brought it to my attention to, to be more aware of those things and trust myself. So A lot was, of it is cool. common sense, isn't it? I mean, it really is. But yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. take away from the fact that being taught it does yeah. bring it to focus. And, and you know, I've tried to explain to Sean so many times, you need to get proper O&M training. I've never had any. All self-taught, you know. That's why I'm forever in a hedge. <sighs> yes. Well, I remember you in that hotel. You know, you were battering around like a spider or a wasp so we trying to find our, us way out of a window. We said yeah. our goodbyes and you, you left. We had to come back. And then me and Sarah said, all right, let's go. And we just ended up in a corner climbing <laughs> over settees. But... We were laughing our heads off, and that's that's the point, right? I didn't get anxious about it. I thought, you know what? I'll find my way eventually. It would have took me three days, but yes, I definitely need O&M training. You're absolutely yeah. right. <laughs> um, okay, we'll come back to that and also talk about some of the apps you've been playing with as well. One sure. in particular I'm very interested to hear about, uh, so yep. we'll get to that. But to, to the Mac and to, I guess, all Apple products we go, because um, it's fair to see you're getting a little bit annoyed with voiceover, right? I'm becoming extremely annoyed with voiceover on Mac OS and iOS. It's just to the point where I want to um, rally everyone with their pitchforks and torches and storm Cupertino. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's that bad. Didn't you yeah. try that on January 6th one year and it didn't go so well? <laughs> he went there. <laughs> I just, I'm just, just checking in. You know, I, I, my understanding is that didn't work out so well. So maybe we don't want to go down that route. Maybe we just want to, maybe we want to continue the dialogue. How about that? Yeah, I think that's the wrong coast. Uh, and you say you, you want to start the dialogue, but I'm not even sure who at Apple to start the dialogue with. I, I think mm. there is no forum. There's no transparency to the accessibility team where we can have issues and see them being resolved. And I think that's a fault with Apple at this point. There have been bugs in voiceover that grow and grow and grow that we've complained about over and over again that just don't get fixed. And there's, I don't even know who to talk to at Apple. No one listens. The, the best that I can do is call the uh, accessibility hotline and occasionally I'll get a request back with an engineer. But more often than not, it's like, have you tried, you know, reinstalling ios it's like no because this happens on all five of my devices it's not os installs everyone in the blind community is experiencing this problem why isn't this being addressed why are you always saying like okay just reinstall everything and maybe that'll fix it um okay so i'm going to get tough on you with this okay i'm going to get tough on you with this because we've had this conversation you and i have had it we've had mm -hmm. other people on the show who've said similar I want to know specifics, all right? Because if Apple are listening to this, and I have a hunch that they will be. Okay. Um, I, I, I doubt this it. Is your, 
Well, no, sure. I, no well, I, I look, I, I can tell you that there are people at Apple that do listen to this show. Okay. Right? And as a result of that, this is your chance to talk to them directly. Give them specifics. What is What are the issues that you're having? On the Macintosh, I suggest they go to the uh, software update screen and use voiceover on that screen and see if it behaves as documented. It doesn't. Focus jumps all over around on that screen, always jumping to the toolbar. You can't navigate to it. Uh, containers that are grouped improperly. You can't even find buttons to click the update on applications unless you're just fumbling around and get lucky. It does not behave. And that's an Apple product that's Apple controlled. And I think it's the best example of how broken voiceover is. Just go to software update and navigate it and watch how navigating to the right and navigating back left is not a reproducible event. In other words, if you travel through elements one, two, three, four, five, going right with your voiceover keys, it should go four, three, two, one. It doesn't. It jumps over. It loses focus, goes to, goes to the toolbar. I don't know what else to say. It's, it's so obvious. It's disgusting. Um, under iOS specifically, um, a little bit harder to see, but um, says they're not 100% reproducible. But I think the best thing that I can point to is on um, the thing that's most frustrating is you have the exact same issue, and it's usually on web content in Safari. Uh, flicking to the left and flicking to the right, again, you do not go back to the elements. It's not a reversible process as it should be. If you navigate to the right, you should be able to navigate back to the left and hit the same objects. Focus jumps, your voiceover cursor jumps. I'd probably have to find a specific web page for that, um, but we've all experienced it. It's somewhat intermittent. Uh, the other major issue, of course, is scrolling. When you're flicking through, and you can see this on um, just about any web page, even Apple News articles in the News app, you'll be flicking to the right and you get stuck. It just stops. And it should auto-scroll when you flick right, so you have to manually flick up and then flick down and start you know, do a page scroll with the three fingers up and down and then scrolling starts again. I, I just don't understand why they can't get it right. Those, those things drive me up the wall and I could go on and on and on. I mean, with, I, I, um, look, I agree ducking. with you on this. I agree yeah. with you on the, on the challenges with voiceover. And yeah. I think that the key word that I use a lot to, des to describe it and the frustration for me is inconsistency. Yes. Yes. Even across apps that are even Apple apps. I mean, one yeah. one great example, as I was talking about this last week, was the, uh, the Ulysses app, which is a brilliant uh, text editor app. Yep. And I've been using it now for quite a while, and I'm really enjoying using it. It's basically notes on steroids, and also it's not as far down the line as something like a Word, Microsoft Word, or you know, even Google Docs or any of those things. It's, it's pages. much, yeah, or pages, yeah. So it's not it's not going down this far that route. So you have formatting options through Markdown and things, but you don't have. You can just treat it like a notes app as well. It's a really nice app to use. Now, consistently in there, VOJ, the jump command which is, is one command which I must admit I only found out about fairly recently, maybe within the last year, mm -hmm. and I found that really useful. And we, you used to tell me about that command quite a lot. You would say, you know, VOJ is the answer to everything. And when it came to, for example, the Messages app, I find that app, an Apple app, really difficult to navigate. Yep. Because it will not move you around the elements in a way you would imagine, and it doesn't take you to all the elements either, like, for example, the text field, or, you know, it'll take you maybe between the conversations and the message content, but not the message text field. Um, and there's all these little inconsistencies when you're moving around, when anything changes on screen. So, for example, if you're recording a voice message and how it, re it responds to that, there are real challenges there as well. So there are definitely inconsistencies. And, you know, I've had the issues with, for example, the challenge of moving around the screen. And I, I don't know. I, I imagine Apple would tell me with this one, when I'm moving around Finder, that I should be using VO either up and down or maybe the column view as opposed to the list view or whatever it is, you know, but there does seem to be a, a challenge in it being able to read what the actual cursor is, is, is displaying. So I know it's not displaying the right thing or it's, it's on the wrong thing when it's, for example, giving me the same file name twice as I arrow up and down and I have to go back up and down again to confirm I'm definitely on the right one. Yep. I have that quite a lot. That's that's a bit of a bugbear of mine. And especially if you're deleting a file. The amount of times I've deleted the wrong one because it's just been on the, the focus has been on. And I've arrowed up and down like six times just to be certain I'm on the right one. 
and it's still the wrong one. And with CleanFeed, yeah. great example of on CleanFeed, I was telling Sean about this one, where at the end of a recording, there's two buttons. One says save all tracks and discard recording. You don't want to hit the wrong one. <laughs> I mean, it starts reading the same thing twice. When yeah. you VO left, it says save all tracks. When you VO right, it says save all tracks. You VO left, it says save all tracks. You're playing this game of which one is it? I feel like it's like the, the magician with the ball under the three cups. <laughs> Find the Where lady. Is it? <laughs> I want to pick you up on site now because you give some really good examples there, both of you, right? But you said, Kayaker, that they mm-hmm. are simply not listening. Now, I don't think that's the case. I think they are listening. I think the problem is the feedback. This, this stony wall of silence that Apple have had across the board, not just when it comes to accessibility, is ingrained, right? It's, it's part of who they are. And I think this is a real issue when it comes to this sort of thing. I don't think they're not listening. I think we just get no feedback and it it just seems like that. Well, I'm not 100% sure they are listening because when they switched from a native software update in macOS 10.6, they they did that at 10.7. The software update page has been broken since 10.7. And that's, what was that, 12 years ago? I'm trying to remember how long ago. Um, Whenever, you know, 12 years it's been broken. And it's just um, crazy. Yeah, that's a long time, actually. I, I, I don't know what to say about that. That is a long time. <laughs> I think you can go back to every Mac OS and Snow Leopard and just try voiceover in the, in the software update page and just watch how broken it is. And we're, the thing that drives me crazy is we're not talking – voiceover is a huge set of commands. I'm talking about the bare minimums. If you teach someone voiceover, there's really – on the Mac, there's really, what, three things they need to know. They need – you know, VO left, VO right, um, you know, VO shift down arrow to interact and VO shift arrow to not interact and like VO space. You can do so much with those commands and those commands don't function as the way they're documented with focus jumping all around um, in Safari. It's, I, I feel like I'm just banging my head against the wall. What does it take to have the basic functionality work flawlessly? Because if the keyboard arrow keys worked the way the voice arrow keys mac os wouldn't ship you know if the mouse cursor jumped around it was stuck in a certain quadrant mac os wouldn't ship they'd fix it and um i am used to you know doing funky things standing on my head to make things work that are really fringe cases but we're not talking about fringe cases we're talking about the basics the Mm. core commands that we need to to do our jobs on the computer on the mac and I'm just really frustrated with with their response. Can I, I, I can I ask, do you use Windows at all? Have I you, do, do not. You, I you've do never not. used it? Well, I, I do use it, but only when I have to. Um, so very, 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 very limited. I, so I'd Mac's say, not that bad then? <laughs> well, no, the reason I ask that is because I'm wondering about comparison. You know, have you spent yeah. time on the other side just to get a sense I haven't of- spent time on the other side, no, no. But, you know, if Apple is selling a product, um, and they document it to certain to work a certain way. You know, I think it should. I, I don't think these are hard to fix. I think it's a matter of priority for Apple, and a matter of um, you know having having accessibility be a priority, much like security should be a priority. Security and accessibility are something that you can't you know fit in after the fact. I, I think we've seen this over and over again, and I think Apple needs to treat accessibility just like they treat security. I wonder what. Apple will look like post Tim Cook because we know Tim is going to be retiring soon. And if it's the case that, you know, someone new comes in from outside, I doubt that. I think it'll be someone who's been in the organization who's working their way up at Craig Federici, for example. I don't know, maybe someone like that who takes on the role. He would be great at it and he's brilliant in the ads. Um, But, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see how the, um, how the atmosphere changes, if at all, I kind of felt that the whole secretive nature of Apple would disappear or slowly evaporate after Steve Jobs. And that didn't happen. Yeah. That just didn't happen. And I think that's the part of the, the excitement about Apple, part of the uniqueness about Apple, but also part of its challenge for us is that we love the idea of this company, you know, secretly working away Willy Wonka style, you know, on the next big thing in the background, and then suddenly it appears with it, and it's great and it's wonderful. 
but it, it needs to have a front-facing approach better than what it has right now, which is much more, uh, you know, having much more of a conversation, especially in this case with the community. Now, there might be stuff going on. We don't necessarily know. There could be lots of NDAs flying around and lots of work in the background. I'm sure there is to get new features through, for example. Yeah. But it's that everyday challenge, that everyday problem. It needs to have a Microsoft, a Google-type answer desk approach, doesn't it? It needs that, which would give us that uh, you know, extra support. Because, look, there's no doubt at all, you can go into an Apple store, you can get assistance from one of the geniuses, but they will not know as much as the people who work on the team at Accessibility at Apple. And there will be people in there who will be experts at this, who can identify these problems, fix these challenges. Which leads us on to another question, because the, the, the fact is they're so quiet, so we assume, that you've, you've assumed that they're not listening, they're not taking any of this on board. Could it be that the feedback they're getting is overwhelming? Well, it's probably not a very large team inside Apple. I suppose that could be the case. Um, I, I don't know how many resources Apple has on the accessibility team, but... Um, even if they prioritize fixing some of the basic problems that have been there forever, I, they keep adding features that are marginally useful, in my opinion, for some of these things. And I, I need the core, the core framework to be rock solid so that we don't have the focus jumping issues or the audio ducking issues that, you know, the fall out of our, our ears. Um, I don't know how to fix it. What I'd really like to see is Apple sort of make public, you know, some of their bug databases for features that aren't secret. They're in the OS, but we can clearly reproduce any time. You know, I can't go in and say, oh, yeah, you know, the team is working on a, the, the VO focus issue jumping around. And we expect that to be released in, you know, the next Mac OS update mm -hmm. or, or iPhone update. We have no transparency. We're just crossing our fingers and say, please, please, Apple, when you release the next version of iOS or Mac OS, let's not break anything else. And maybe we'll get lucky and, and fix something. I just like to have some accountability for the bugs that we report. So it doesn't feel like all our feedback is getting thrown into the proverbial bit bucket. But then I, I wonder, because, you know, is that the case with that Microsoft or Google? You know, do, do they get that kind of response if you contact them? Um, I, mean, I don't know the answer to that, but I, 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 I wonder if it's that. the same. Because, I mean, if you're calling know. up and saying there's a challenge with narrator and it's not working the way I expect, are you getting back, you know, okay, here's a, a ticket reference, here's an update, here's where we are with this, when will this come out? Because I don't think they're telling people, you know, it's this really is going to roll out a new feature. So is this, 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 we're, we're kind of... It, Pushing all this on Apple, but are the other companies offering the, the same service, essentially, as I'm wondering? Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess I look at the, the GitHub model where things are a little more transparent and things are sort of tracked in, in the public domain. And maybe it's unreasonable for me to expect that a you know, large corporation would do it. But, um, you know, most software companies I can think of, if you call the support, you get a ticket number assigned to you and there's usually a thread of stuff going back and forth and you can sort of track it until you, the problem is resolved. Um, I don't think Apple offers that type of, of system right now, right? You can't go in and say, you know, here's a bug that I've reported. Here's the steps to reproduce it. Here's a video that shows exactly what happens. And their response is, thank you. And you never hear anything again. Um, if you go to a third-party small developer, you might say, you might say, oh, okay, you know, your bug's been logged. We've escalated this to developers. They're aware of the problem, you know, look for a fix. And there's usually that, you know, paper trail of a ticketing system, right? Mm. I think we've all done that. So why can't Apple and Microsoft and the others do it as well? We'll come back on that. Stay with us. Andrew's going to talk leader dogs as well. O&M training yep. all to come on Double Tap on AMI-audio. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. With Scott today, kayaker is known to Sean and I, and uh, of course, regular listeners will know, uh, of course, Scott has been with us many, many times. On our, many, our many times. Various, various shows. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we are literally everywhere. Um, 
I want to pick up on something you were talking about there about reporting bugs and problems. Now, you mentioned that, you know, when you contact a company, you would expect to get lots of information back about where they are, the progress mm-hmm. of the bug fix and all that stuff. But actually, I think we need to go back to before all that, the point you said about reporting the bug. Is it often the case that Apple will get the kind of comment that you made at the top of the show, which is, so things are inconsistent, it's not working and I tab and it's not doing what I want, and they're not getting the detail that they need. Is it on us to be as informative as possible about whatever these bugs are? Now, obviously, in your case, you are a computer whiz, right? So you're going to send them probably lots of information. Most people are probably going to report and say, ah, you know what, I just can't use messages very well. Yeah, and and that's a problem as well, right? That, that they're maybe not getting the level of information they need now. Maybe that's on the companies to say, look, if you could just give us X, Y, Z, you know, fill in this form, and give us, you know, this kind of a, what 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 phone are you using? What Mac are you using? You know, what version are you running? You know, what's the app? You know, because I'm sure they must get a lot of vague info amongst the kind of comments that you might send them. Yeah, I, I'm sure there are vague comments, but. On the other hand, some of the problems that they are creating for themselves are vague in themselves. And I almost feel like that tells me there's a lack of people who are, you know, there used to be an expression called eat your own dog food. Um, If they are using voiceover day to day at Apple, they're the blind people. And there are there are blind people. I know they do AD for some of their events, um, even internally for presentations and stuff. Those people should be using voice every day and they will experience the same stuff because there's not a Mac person out there who hasn't experienced what we've experienced. It might not be as reproducible as we hope, but it's clearly there. Um, and any developer who takes a few minutes to just eat their own dog food and play with voiceover should be able to reproduce all these inconsistencies. Um, so I, I think the vagueness almost indicates that there's more of a bad engine inside a voiceover than we may fear. Uh, this, the, it's just, it scares me that this might not be fixable um, without some major, major restructuring. And maybe it's too broken to fix. Maybe, maybe that's the, the real problem. I don't that know. That is a scary thought. You know, at the it's same been time, around for a long time. Yeah, well, mm. true. Uh, but at the same time, if you get enough vague reports that, you know, I'm having issues with XYZ app, then surely that's enough to start an investigation anyway, to trigger an investigation, Mm -hmm. even without, you know, detailed reports and videos of it actually happening. It should be enough to say there is a problem here. Yeah. Well, look, we could talk about this all day, and I don't think we'll resolve it, but I do think it's an interesting conversation. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, I want to move on, though, because uh, you... We're talking at the top of the show about your orientation and mobility training. Yeah. And you very kindly sent us this interview. You did this uh, at the uh, the place you were getting your O&M training. Tell us a little bit about the interview and, and lead this in for us. Sure. So um, what you'll be hearing is a little conversation with my instructor, uh, Barry. And uh, I spent the whole week with him one-on-one, Monday through Friday. And um, yeah, he ran me through the... <laughs> He ran me through all sorts of uh, hurdles and obstacle courses um, and uh, built me up over the week. So um, this is the conversation that we had at the end of the week after the training had been completed. Hi, I'm talking with Barry Stafford at Leader Dog. He is a certified O&M instructor, and he actually spent the week with me uh, with a one-week Leader Dog O&M training program. Um, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. You bet, Scott. So um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, Leader Dog's O&M program and sort of what you put me through this week? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so Leader Dog, uh, we've been doing mobility here at Leader Dog for, this is our 21st year of teaching mobility. And it started off, honestly, as a, um, we were we were trying to better train clients who had applied for dogs. And realized really quickly that we had uh, a much uh, larger field that we could reach and started offering O&M to, to people whether they wanted a dog or not. So uh, real simply what it contains is um, we bring people in for a week at a time. Um, we fly them in usually on a Sunday and go out on a Saturday. And we do O&M pretty much from the time you get here until the time you, you go out. There is some downtime. It's not like 
but we um, teach O&M for people of all levels, all skill levels. Like you came in with a, with a, you know, a, a certain set of skills and you were here with other people who had very different set of skills. Right. So we have people that come in at, at all different levels of training, no training to, they just want to brush up before their next dog, or they just want to brush up and be a better traveler. Right. So I came in with a specific set of goals to help me travel more independently when I travel. What would, in your mind, make a good leader dog candidate for this type of program? What, what, are you, what types of people are you looking for? Yeah. So um, we have some basic requirements that you're 18 years old and that you are legally blind. Uh, and besides that, if you want to be more independent in your travel, so you don't have to have uh, a vocational goal. You don't have to be you know, looking for a job or or want a dog or anything like that. If you just want to be more safe and more independent in your travel, uh, that's, that's who we're looking for. We're looking for people who are motivated to come and people don't come to us if they're not motivated. Because we don't we don't go out and find you. You go out and find us. Yeah, and it definitely takes some courage to sort of uh, commit to this and say, "Okay, I'll come this week and and get on that plane." It's um, it's a big deal. Yeah, uh, and it's it sometimes it's bigger for other people than it is, um, you know, for some people than it is for others, um, depending on their their level of activity. But it, it usually is a, a a pretty big step for people to to step out of the the familiar into the unknown. So when you get a new client, um, how do you sort of start the process? What should they expect once they, they come here? They, they do have to submit a video um, app, with their application. So we get a look at their at their home environment and what they have to describe kind of what their, their normal um, travel routine is. And so we have a, a decent idea, but we always start like good instructors do with a, with an evaluation. We sit down and have a conversation about, you know, um, these are the things I think you want. Tell me if this is if if I'm accurate with that. And so like you and I sat down yeah. and talked about what do you want out of this week? Right. Um, and we do that with everybody and everybody, um, you know, just about everybody that comes in says they have. I mean, they have a basic goal of being more independent and feeling more confident. Yeah. Some people have specific goals like I want a dog and I want to you know get my skills to the point where I'm be successful with a dog. And some people say I just I want to feel better walking around my hometown. Right. Um, and, and everywhere in between. Right. Uh, so we do an evaluation and see what, what your current level of skills is. Like we looked at yours and said, I don't need to teach you cane skills because you had you had the basics in place. But we made sure that you did if there was anything that we could help with um, or, you know, polish or, or make a little better uh, or more efficient. We looked at that and, you know, with you in particular, we noticed that there was nothing that we could do there. So we moved on into um, your specific goals. Right. Yeah. And that's one thing that I loved about the program is that it really catered to my needs and and pushed me in directions that I found challenging. <laughs> and um, you definitely threw me in situations that were were um, unexpected and um, quite devilish, if I do say so from time to time. But um at the end of the week, what do you hope um, clients walk away from, from the program? What we would, I mean, the ultimate goal is that everybody walks away feeling better about their travel skills than they did when they came in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had another gentleman here with you this week um, that had a, a very different set of ideals and goals when he came in. And he just wanted to feel safer moving around. And he, he doesn't move around as much as other people do. Yeah. but. I could tell just from his pace um, from Monday to today, the last day that um, we were in training, has, it's increased, you know, I, I don't know how much, but it, he's considerably faster in his pace. And for a mobility instructor, that's one of the things we look at for confidence. If you if you're walking, if you're walking faster, you typically feel safer. Um, you feel feel better about your own personal skills. And so you're, you feel safe enough to walk to speed up. Um, so we we hope everybody feels better about their their situation before they leave. Yeah. And I certainly feel more confident now than I that I did on Monday. And um if people are interested in learning more, where do you want to send them to? Um, what's the best way to Yeah, there's a couple of really good ways. Thank you. Um uh at leaderdog.org um and you can go to the um the clients section. There's a section specifically for clients applications and uh, for the O&M program. 
Another even easier way is to call us at our 1-800 number, which is 888-777-5332, and ask to speak to someone in client services. Okay. And they can they can send you the application. They can you know they can print one off to you. They can send it to you electronically. There's lots of different ways. They'll even help you fill out the 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 application on the phone the, as much as it can be. Right. Uh, if if you need that type of assistance, we're we're happy to get it. Uh, any way we can. Well, that's great. Well, thank you for taking the time to uh, have a quick chat. And it certainly um, was probably one of the best, scariest decisions <laughs> I've I've made. And thank you for improving my mobility skills over this last week. So, well, it, it was a pleasure. It was really fun to work with you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Really interesting to hear you talk about that, Scott, and uh, you know, be so open about it. Uh, um, I want to ask you a little bit about your uh, experience of the apps you were using. Sure. Um, yeah, part of the integration was some some of the technology, and I used uh, the Oco app, uh, which is a pedestrian walk signal detector that's available, I think, in the United States and a, and a couple of countries. It's, it's, it's definitely region-specific, and uh, it was really helpful in some of my street crossings. At the end, I was crossing six-lane um, boulevards, you know, so it was wow. good chunk of distance to travel and uh, having the confirmation of the haptic feedback and detecting the, the light signal for walk and don't walk was really, um, it's like having a little uh, confirmation, you know, say, yep, your skills matched the app. So it's, it's pretty good, pretty good choice to go when you, when you feel confident to do it. Um, it was just so nice. And the other trick that you could do as you turned your phone, you could kind of triangulate on where the actual cross signal was, and that could reinforce, or um, you know, your orientation to make sure you're you're headed towards that other side of of the curb, and make sure you're lined up okay. Uh, so I really enjoyed using that app. That was fun, um, and uh, yeah, that that was one of the great apps that that I tried um, in my training. They also uh, let me use the Victor. Uh, I'm going to get this right. The Victor Reader Trek GPS module. Um, and I use that as well in some of my training. Um, but a lot of it, I tried to go cold turkey and not use the tech to confirm because I wanted to sort of dead stick my way through with just cane skills. But um, the apps were definitely part of the program as well as, you know, some third party tech like like the the Trek. Yeah. Wow. How did you find the Trek then compared to, you know, Apple Maps, Google or some of the more specific visually impaired GPS apps. I actually enjoyed the Trek more than I thought. I'm like, okay, this is just, you know, blind square or Google Maps. But there are a couple of things I liked about it that it hadn't really, I hadn't really seen in, in some of the other um, iPhone style apps. Well, the number one thing was the battery life. <laughs> it was it was pretty good, and I'd have to I didn't have to worry about the GPS draining my phone. Um, you got a you got a good chunk of time. Uh, using the trek. Uh, the other thing that it was really helpful was describing intersections, not just you're coming up a cross street, but it would tell me which direction the cross street was, and it would tell me the type of intersection, three-way, four-way, and which streets were left and right. So it helped me um, sort of get my bearings in, in an unfamiliar city. Um, so I found that pretty useful as well. Um, the drawbacks, I, I thought the the entry was really annoying. Um, you know, there's, it's a numeric keypad and you have to do the, I forget, what do they call it when you press the, the two key to go A, B, C. Oh yeah. T9. Yeah. yeah T9. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. That's the text entry is pretty bad. <laughs> Welcome um, to the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So that's the big drawback of the machine, but, um, it was pretty cool that you could just do a landmark. Um, the first, uh, I went to a different city to do some, you know, dangerous traveling with the trek and the first thing we did was we put a landmark right at the parking garage door so um when i got totally lost we just navigated back to that landmark and it, it took me right there so th that was kind of cool that's nice yeah, yeah very no, so nice i did enjoy that yeah and for that that street crossing app how are yes. you spelling that what's it called i believe it's oko is the name of it okay okay oh simple as and that I, okay and i think it started in in Europe someplace. Um, I'm not sure what countries cur are currently supported, but obviously they just added the US relatively recently. Yeah, and just yeah. for clarity, that is something yeah. that it doesn't require any specific hardware on the part of the traffic light system. No, no. It's basically using, you know, 
AI models to know what a pedestrian crossing site looks like in the United States and can figure it out. And it'll even do uh, the countdowns as well. So if there's a timer countdown, it can actually read that and tell you when the, the countdown's running out. In real time. In real time. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's nice. Very nice. Very nice. Um, so wherever you are in the world, download it and see if it's supported. You're, I'm definitely going to try that yeah. and see if it's here in the UK, but yeah. I don't know about Canada. But going back to Leader Dog for a minute, that, yes. that is open to Canadians, right? Yes, it is. Leader Dog uh, is open to Canadians and Americans. It's funded through private donations. The entire trip was paid for. There's no cost to, there was no cost to me. They flew me out. They fed me. Um, they trained me. Um, it was a very nice facility. It was a very safe space to learn how to use the white cane more efficiently. It, it was a very pleasant experience. And I'll tell you, I did not sleep a couple days before the trip because I was a little bit, you know, of what course. if this, what if that, you know, the, yeah. the anxiety levels, but, um, mm. It couldn't have gone any more smoothly. I had a fantastic time, and I can't believe I hadn't heard about it before. Um, no. and, and where are they uh, based? They are based in Michigan. So I flew into Detroit, and they're about 40 minutes north in Rochester Hills, Michigan. Um, they're the second oldest uh, guide dog school in the country, and um, they've got a very nice uh, rural town area to practice in. And, like, they took me to other big cities nearby for more complicated intersections and stuff like that. So that they will drive you to various spots uh, where they think you need your training. But when I was there, what was nice is that there was someone who had RP. This was her first cane. She was starting out from scratch. And I know at the end of the week, she felt a lot more confident uh, in her ability. So they cover the full range from, you know, nothing to, you know, someone who's a little more skilled. So uh, they will help you if you're motivated to get out there and find them. I can't recommend them highly enough. I want to ask you one thing that you came back with, one particular, maybe it was a hint or a tip or a skill or whatever it might be that you came back with that you thought to yourself, I wish I'd known that before. This is going to make a real difference to my life. Sure. Um, one of the things, well, this is just in how to, um, how to cross an intersection. The recommendation was, if you're if you're at one corner and going, you need to get to the the opposite corner. So you have to cross two lanes of traffic. Um, try to go clockwise. Um, in the UK, it would be the opposite, I think. Uh, and the reason is is that people who are coming towards you can and who might be turning left in front of you can see you head on. Whereas if you're going in the other direction, um, they're not. That's one thing that I my instructor taught me and it made a lot of sense um, for most unknown intersections. So, you know, making the choice of which way to cross an intersection to get that opposite corner, uh, there are some strategies to make you safer in those situations so that cars can potentially see you uh, and you're less likely to, uh, you know, get run over crossing an unfamiliar intersection. Yep. Um, but the biggest thing I came back with, it wasn't necessarily a tip. It was just, I felt like, my confidence tank had filled up again and that, um, you know, okay, yeah, I really do have the skills. You know, I got thrown in the deep end of the pool and um, I didn't drown. And and that was worth its weight in gold. I think the thing that stands out and, and the reason this is such an interesting conversation is because there's often a sense, I think, in our community that once you've got the skills, that's it. You know, you're kind of trained up and off you go and that's it into the world you go. And actually, even when those of us who've maybe been given some training or have had some training or have taught ourselves, whatever it might be, and we seem to be functioning fine, you know, actually getting just that little top up or, you know, whatever that is, it, it can really make the difference. And it's important, I think, to tell people that message, that yeah. even, even the people amongst you who you think, like you said at the top, Sean, you thought Scott had it, you know, he was just traveling the world, he was yeah. doing everything and he was fine. And actually to, to hear that you were struggling, that you oh, yeah. were f trying to figure this out as you were going along, Absolutely. I guess that, that's a really important message to get out there to people. And it's hard to get out of your comfort zone. And, you know, just because you see someone traveling independently doesn't mean they're not a little bit scared or anxious, but, you know, it's <laughs> to quote a, a, a great master, it's you do or do not, there is no try. So just get out there and do and um, the other thing that's so important 
Is that, is that is that is a lot? Is that a Lord Star of the Rings? Yeah, you would not get <laughs> yeah, that. I don't know what that is. Yeah, okay. yeah, I have no idea what that is. It's not just for mobility training. In life, you're never you're never too old or too good to learn more, and no matter what the subject matter is. So never stop learning. And O and M training is the same. Never stop learning. You can always get better. But also, and I think this is an important addition to that. The there's also a sense of, especially when it comes to tech, there's an expectation on people now, isn't there, to kind of know everything and be able to mm-hmm. use these apps. And, you know, if you don't know about the app, you know, how far behind must you be? And actually, you can't know everything. And also, yeah. you won't use everything either. Because, I mean, I know for myself, there's a lot of apps that sound wonderful, but there's a practicality to them. When you're in a busy environment, when you can't quite hear your phone the way you would hear it, you know, I remember right. buying those Bose frames and thinking, God, these are great. But you know, when I was actually out in public, I couldn't hear a thing. You couldn't hear yeah. the, the, the yeah. voiceover on the phone. So it became useless to me. I remember trying to even call a taxi and I'm like screaming at the top of my lungs because the guy couldn't hear me because the microphone <laughs> and the Bose was not great. So suddenly you're in this difficult position where you're, you think technology will be the answer, but it's not. And it is about that that foundational skill of learning how to navigate is, is so key, I think. And, and that's, yeah. that's, that needs to be, I think, first in anyone's list. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the term dead sticking as well. I'm using that from now on. Yeah, okay. me too. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think we all do that. I think we all do if you that. don't, you'll end up dead with your stick. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, bring us down. Which yeah, is not no, great, no. no that, <laughs> that went from really inspirational to no, um, not quite. Uh, <laughs> but no, that was, that was really interesting. Scott, thank you so much for coming on and talking about that. And also pleasure, your points guys. on Apple as well, because yeah. I think we need to keep that conversation going. And I think we need to find out as well if this is a problem across the board. Because we talk about Apple as this big, mysterious company. You know what? Microsoft and Google are big companies as well. Do they react the same way? What kind of feedback do people get? when you get in touch and say, hey, I've got a problem here, or I've got a problem with this. Um, do you get the kind of response you expect? Do you feel things get fixed? I think it's a good question to put out there. Let's not put it all it on is. Apple. Let's find out you know, what other companies are doing too. Indeed. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. My pleasure, guys. It's always great to catch up. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll do this again soon. Uh, keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. You can also call us, one 803 4567 We're, of course, available on social media, wherever you can find it, and on an internet near you on a podcast. Uh, all that is available to you. Uh, the world is wonderful, isn't it? Uh, we're back tomorrow. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.